When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Okay, sir, it's getting down to uh, crunch time. Wild 77 games, 79 points, Louie. Uh, there are a couple points behind the Coyotes who are in the ninth uh, spot, the last wild card right now, Colorado with 83. So uh, with the Wild, as we record this, getting set to play in Vegas tonight on Friday night, your thoughts about the last week of the season and the realistic possibility of jumping a couple of teams for the Wild to get into the playoffs for what would be a seventh consecutive season, Lou Nanny? Well, one of the things, I, I, I might be wrong, but I do believe Arizona and Colorado play each other yet one game, which means somebody's going to pick up two points and somebody might even get a point out of that. <laughs> Don't you love so, that, that third that, so that, that third point? <laughs> yeah, so that might... Uh, Right away, that that puts uh, somebody, you know, an extra two points ahead of the Wild unless the Wild win their game to play. So that's really tough. But the Wild have no room, as you can tell, for error right now because they've uh, Dallas is gone. They're 88. They're gone. You're never going to catch them. Mm-hmm. So you have two point two points separating the team that's not even in the playoffs and four from the one that is, which means with four points. Fortunately for them, they have more more wins right now than Colorado. So they've got to win two more games than Colorado has to win out of five. So if Colorado wins two, yep, that means well, I've got to win four to five. Yeah, and that's not even taking into account what's happened with Arizona, and and so uh, there just is no room for error. What's your assessment too? Because now, now to go back to, I believe it was the Dallas game a couple weeks ago on a Thursday night at home. The Wild did not play well, but you know what, Lou? The rest of the time I've seen this team play of late at home, they have really struggled. They have certainly struggled big time to score goals. But to me, that this now gets to uh, um, situation of the depth is not there, but it has nothing to do with want to. It's just it basically goes to the, the team th- that you have, and you know. The loss of Dumba, I keep coming back to this, was absolutely massive. Parisi's hurt now. So this isn't a team, to me, that is that doesn't want it. It's a team that just basically has has some struggles trying to score goals. And I think once you get past the top six forwards, for instance, it's just a team that sort of scuffles. Well, not only that, you got uh, Koivu has been out for a long mm-hmm. time, and and Eric Sinek, when he was playing his best hockey since he's been a Wild member, is out. He might come back now uh, in the game tonight. Hopefully he does. So uh, it, it's just unfortunate because uh, teams don't have enough depth when they lose four quality players to make it up. I don't care which team you're in the National League, it's going to affect you. And especially with the Wild, as you just pointed out, has a trouble scoring. 
when when Preci sits out who was the leading goal scorer and, and, and misses games, you're hurt. When Eku is now starting to generate some offense, you're hurt. And Dumba is the biggest loss because he was leading the, the defenseman in the league with goals and and this was early in the year. He was off to a, an unbelievable season. And you could have realistically expected he would have at least 20 goals. So they're, they're big losses, and that's why the, the Wild have suffered. Do you, uh, do you think at this point that Zach comes back or no? What? Yeah, I, th- I think he does come back to try because he's not going to want to He's not going to want to see the team not make the playoffs because he was out of it. He'll give it a shot. I, I don't know what his injury is or how serious, but when they were kept expecting him from day to day, they were saying, so if it's that type of injury, he'll be back somehow. It wasn't deemed as cheap, I don't believe, Lou, but why is it that, and, and certainly this guy has had some cheap shots before, Wilson from Washington, Tom, he seems to, uh, there just seem to be these hits that come up and and hurt guys. Do, do you look at that, like the, the hit on Zach, and question it, or is that just a fluky type of deal in your mind? I, I, it's a fluky type of deal. I think they take, uh, personally, a, a little too much uh, time spent on Wilson and, and him being a dirty player. He's a hard physical player, and, and he's a big player. So uh, being the size he is, many times when he hits guys, it affects, you know, he's getting them up high because – He's taller than them, so his shoulder many times is at the other guy's head. And it's not that it's intentional. It's just that's how it lines up. That's how it happens. You know, there has been a big, big play, which rightfully so should be there to protect the head on everybody. But right. sometimes it's inadvertent, and the guys get hit in the head, and it's not like they tried to hit him in the head, but that's where the check ended up. Uh, let's talk about the code, Lou. Because this this has come, come up, we've certainly discussed this before, but it's come up again now th- this week. Uh, there was uh, what it was Florida and, and Montreal, and I believe the player from the Canadians was Byron, and he had so he had gotten in what, what was deemed, I guess, a cheap shot against a Florida player at some point earlier this year and got suspended for three games. But then the player who had taken the hit when the two teams met again this past week uh, fought. Byron, who's not a big guy, right? And so he fight he fights him, and I'm, I'm sure you saw the punch here. Basically, knocks him silly. Uh, but this, to me, goes back to, and this is not a guy who can't fight his own fights, but it goes back to Kachuk Dumba, which was retribution for a hit that the Flames didn't like that Dumba had had laid on a few weeks before those two teams played at the X in Calgary. And this, to me, though, Lou, is this is the problem, and and this is why f- fighting is a definite problem. You're you're losing. You know, you're losing key players. You're getting guys hurt with concussions in the case of uh, Byron. And this whole code thing, you know, we've always said the one thing about hockey fights is guys don't get hurt. But that's folly. They do. And it, to me, that's a problem. When when Matt Dumba is now has been done for the entire year because he had to fight a fight that was was part of what hockey considers t- to be, be the code. Your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, uh, Dumba didn't even hit uh, Kachuk, so yep. that's ludicrous that those two had to fight. Yep. And somebody, if you remember the game, after Dumba hit that guy, somebody jumped off the bench right at the end. He got suspended for it, but jumped Dumba with about two minutes left in the game. So, in essence, he's already you know fought for that uh, hit. Uh, Byron, the guy that he he fought, was the guy that he hit, but the guy that he he had hit illegally and got suspended for 
was about 50 pounds bigger than him and a lot taller. And, and Byron now has got a concussion and they don't know how long he's out. I think it's ludicrous, and I, I've been saying it for years. There's no place for it in the game. Why isn't why? Just stop and take a look at the other things. Why don't you have fights like that all the time in basketball and football and baseball? If they can go along without it, so can the NHL. It's just ridiculous that it's done. They should be penalized further. And the reason why I'm saying this is because there's been a number of guys now, including Probert, uh, that have died and their brains have been checked out and uh, they've got uh, CTE problems or whatever it is. And, and and fighting does take a toll. And fighting, yeah, people do get hurt. I've seen a lot of guys get hurt. Exactly. And, and I, I think that... Uh, uh, I'm very surprised that it's still allowed with all the suits that are going on in professional sports, and most notably the one that was won by the players in in football because it hits to the head. And this uh, probably gets by because the NHL players sanctioned fighting. They said, okay, when the NHL says, do you want out of the game? They said no. So the NHL league has protection. But I'm wondering personally, if after it's all over, some of the players don't come and and sue the Players Association as well and say, you wanted it in there. And that's why, you know, I'm, I've got problems today. At what point do you think it does go away, Lou? I mean, do, do you think that there's going to be a time within the next five years or so where where the league and the players both say, you know, there's concrete evidence here that guys do get hurt, that concussions are obviously, even without fighting a problem in hockey, at what point do you think that fighting is taken out of this sport? Well, I think that, uh, uh, first of all, if there's many more guys with concussions through a fight, you'll see more of an uproar. Secondly, if anybody gets a concussion and can't play because of a fight, you'll see him challenge the league and the Players Association and everybody else. He'll get a lawyer to do that, that's for sure. And third, I think that if there's... Uh, any players that have already retired and have got uh, evidence of uh, having brain damage and because of fighting and want to take a crack at it, uh, that might be all it takes because everybody knows that uh, having fighting in the game is on shaky ground now because of the concussion issue. And plus, too, Lou, they all wear shields, which, by the way, is fine. But but yeah. it just seems it seems so silly to me when two guys stop at center ice, drop their gloves, and, and at least initially start off by throwing punches into each other's shields. Well, they have to because I think if they take their helmet off, it's a penalty. No, you're you're right. But my so, but my point is, it makes no sense. Take the penalty off, but you're, yeah. you're right. So the strategy is to try and get the helmet off. But <clears throat> that's ludicrous. That uh, if they take the helmet off, there's a penalty. And of course, I think they'll even stop the fight right away. So what is surprising, when somebody gets his helmet ripped off during a fight, why isn't a fight stopped right then? Exactly. Exactly. Um, the the play of the Coyotes, sir, your uh, impression, surprise or non-surprise, on what a key role and how well Darcy Darcy Kemper has played. I believe he has, if I heard this stat right a couple nights ago, watching the uh, the Coyotes beat the Blackhawks one nothing. that that was Darcy Kemper's 18th consecutive start or, or Something well, like that. A couple of things. First of all, I'm very surprised by Arizona's success because they're young and they're, it's early for them to be there. And secondly, I think Rick Tockett should be coach of the year because of it. And frankly, uh, I was always a little 
surprised that Kemper never went on better runs with us because if you go back and check his history of goaltending, every league he's been in, like he won the goaltender of the year in Canada when he was in the Western Hockey League. He, I believe he did it in the American League. And so you expected you expected more than he seemed to give. Now, whether he had a long enough opportunity to prove it with the Wild, I, I, I can't say. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not surprised that he's playing well now because he's he's had a history in other leagues of playing well. And he's a big goaltender, and he looked fundamentally sound. And and I, I just think that, uh, you know, the numbers are coming back in, which is something that he had proved that he could do for many years before he got to the NHL with the Wild. That last year here, if I'm correct, he he absolutely looked lost. Because before that, I think he was pretty decent here. Yeah. Yep. But that last year, he just couldn't stop struggling. Well, and, and 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 if you remember, when he was struggling, he never got a chance right away. It wasn't like he'd struggle and come back in the net the next night. Sure. It's like if Dubnik's struggling for the most part, he still comes back the next night many times. True. There have been times after a while he's been pulled or done it, but, but there have been go through November when he was really struggling or after the All-Star game when he was struggling, Dubnik, and, and they still put him back in. But Kemper never got that chance. Victor Rask, Lou Nanny. Um, it's you know been a tough adjustment uh, for him here so far. When you see him play, do you see potential there? What do you see? Well, you know, he, uh, <clears throat> I just go back to he's had some early success with Carolina, and I hope, I hope that he does uh, produce more. I, I you know, I, I wasn't enthralled with him because he's not a great skater and, and, and not so much that, that that bothers me during the regular season with the Wild, but if they got in the playoffs, one of the things we consistently said for the last couple of years is they look slow in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not going to look fast in the playoffs, so they were, weren't were happy that they won a playoff position six years in a row. They had to go farther, and by going to get farther, they had to be faster and quicker and you know, more productive. Well, I'm, I'm just kind of skeptical if, if exceptional or very good skaters are going to produce in the playoffs when the when the pace is so fast. Yeah, that's very fair. That's fair. In, in fact, that's the one thing. And, and this team is probably flawed defensively, but that's the one thing about the, the Avs, right? The Avalanche. You watch them skate. And my gosh, can they skate? They're certainly not perfect in their own zone, but when they break out and and they move the puck at times so quickly. Well, what surprises me about them is they've played so well lately, which I think I told you I felt that they would play better because he went in such a slump, and I think they had too much talent to play better. But then they they lose Landeskog and Rantanen, and then you're thinking, well, maybe they won't play better because now they don't have the talent that their second and third leading scorer. And yet, they won a few games in a row without him. Yeah, that's what's really surprised me. That's true. Columbus, uh, they they have obviously at the the deadline did not trade uh, Bravowski or Panarin. They essentially made deals to go all in, despite the fact that they could lose at least two of their key players uh, on the open market in July. Lou, are you surprised that they they have not been better since those trades? Now, they, they did beat the Canadians on Thursday night, so they're in a playoff spot, if I'm not mistaken, right now. But it's always interesting to me when teams go all in, and the one thing that I, I have wondered about in cases like that is potential chemistry and trying to basically get 
a group of people, especially if they're supposed to be star players, uh, into your system that quickly? Well, I am surprised they didn't play better. They're playing better now. I think they've won three in a row, and that was a huge win against Montreal. Plus, they got a game in hand on Montreal. And, uh, you know, when you look at it, you talk about tight races. Carolina's only one point above Columbus and Montreal, so uh, they're tougher, tougher race than you got in the West. But uh, Columbus, maybe they've righted it right now, and, and if they're goaltending, and that to me was the biggest surprise because I thought during the year that Bobrovsky was not playing that well, and I thought maybe if they're going to make a deal, one of the deals they might have made was maybe for a goaltender, maybe even let Bobrovsky go at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, and and just get rid of him. But he seems to be playing a little better right now. But Columbus, I think, should have enough to make a playoff position. Carolina certainly looks like they can. I think Montreal is going to have the toughest position because they also, when you look at the games, they played one more game. Yep. Plus they've had less wins. So when you have less wins, that means you got to get an extra point when you end up tied. So and that being the case, now you know even though they're they're tied essentially with the Blue Jackets, the Blue Jackets or Carolina, who's also got one less game, if they win that game, now all of a sudden that uh, you know you're looking at at two wins from Montreal out of four games more than the other teams get. What's your take on Toronto? Boy, you know, I still think that maybe as much as they thought they resolved the defense situation, it hasn't, but maybe one of the reasons why it hasn't resolved as well as they thought, because for a long time, and I don't know if you've followed them very much, but people were always saying, oh, you got to trade Gardner, you got to trade Gardner. Well, Gardner goes out of the lineup, what happens? Toronto goes into a tailspin. Now they, where's Gardner? We need Gardner back in the line. <laughs> you know, and Gardner is a heck of a good defenseman. I wish we had him here in Minnesota. Yeah. And and uh, so I think, I think that now they're they're finding out, and that's going to give them a problem because his contract's up, I believe, and and with the, the kind of salaries he got on, on that team right now, they're hurting. They're going to have to trade somebody like a Nylander that they paid a lot of money to, if they want to fit in a Gardner. Now that they realize that. The defense has got to be better than it is. Is Tampa Bay, which has obviously had an incredible year, is Tampa Bay uh, to you the Eastern Conference favorite right now, or do you have some trepidation given the fact that there have certainly been times in this league where a team that's had a great year is not necessarily the most successful in the playoffs? I still think it's going to be a battle between Tampa Bay and Boston. Okay, and Boston is playing so well right now, and they they're healthy and they got. Uh, really good balance. They got uh, Rask is playing great in, in Nets this year, and, and uh, to go along with, you know, Vasily, the, the goaltender in Tampa is also terrific. And I just think that that's going to be a heck of a battle. It's going to be a real good battle, and and whoever wins between those two, because they'll meet before. Yes. I think they'll probably meet before the final round. Second but, round, uh, right? Pardon me. I said they could potentially meet in the second round, right? Yeah, exactly. And that, and I think that that's whoever wins that's going to come out of the East. Which leads to this question: Do you like the playoff system as is now, or do you hate the fact that we that we often can get a second round matchup that most people think should be a conference finals matchup? I don't like the way it is now. Just because of what you said, I, I think that's really affected. And I, you know, frankly. They're gonna. I think they'll change the playoffs uh, the next time they have a collective bargaining agreement, 
and they'll do one of two things. They'll either go one to eight in the conference, you know, two to seven, yep. three to six, et cetera. Which or, they used to do, yeah. Or they'll go back like we used to have in the divisional playoffs when you have one and four, two and three in each side, and then you, your winner comes out. And what happens there is sometimes you're going to get people or teams in the playoffs that might have less points than than the other the other side, the other division. But uh, that's just the way it works out, you know. What in your mind, if they if you could pass the in your uh, estimation the perfect playoff um, fix, what what would that be? Well, there's two sides of it. The perfect playoff fix in my mind is one and eight, two and seven, et cetera. With with the games being played in that conference, the even amount of games, so you, you're justifiably getting the right one through eight. But we've we've proven and shown over the years that division playoffs make rivalries. Yes, one and four, two and three, and that's how you sell tickets. And so that's that's going to be the biggest question that they're going to have to answer among themselves: is that they want to get the divisional playoffs because it might improve the rivalries and, and really heighten the ticket sales? Yep. Or they want to have uh, a balanced schedule in each conference and go the true way of which which are your best eight teams. Here's my question to you off that point, Lou. When Back in the day, uh, when when you did have, you know, Blackhawks and Stars, it, it was fantastic because there was a, a true, pure, fantastic hatred there, right? So so right. do division do division rivals – matter as much now when when the game for the most part has been cleaned up is incredibly fast and and I'm trying to think is there a team right now that that wild fans absolutely hate I, I guess my point being is with how this game has changed uh our division rivalries as possible as they were back in the 80s when certainly there were teams that you couldn't stand and those often resulted in things like brawls and stuff like that well, that's point well taken. That's why I think the one on eight would be the proper one because you're not going to develop the animosity against teams that you had in the past if fighting's out of the game or really cut down, and and that's what really drove the hatred. You could still develop some animosity for a team if you play physical games, sure, and playoffs, play. sure. Yep, and, and yep. we're not saying take that out of the game. I think that's a big part of the game. I think with fighting out, it'll be even more physical, frankly, because. Smaller guys won't be afraid to hit bigger guys and not have to worry like Byron hitting a kid and worry about having to, to fight him. And uh, I I think that uh, that if I were making a decision league level would be really prominent in my thinking and I would go along with the conference playoffs. So Lou, I'm just looking at the standings right now. <laughs> the Lightning are 59-14 and 4, 122 points. The Lightning in gold differential right now are plus 100. That is incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. It's that's unbelievable. That just tells you how good they are and how good they've been. When you stop the thing in this day and age, you've got essentially 18 losses. They got 14 in regular play and 4 in overtime. Uh, and you played 77 games. That's a remarkable record, and that's why you know they've been the favorite all year long for the Stanley Cup. And people still feel that they're going to be there. And if you look at that team, their defense is really good too. Mm-hmm. And, you got, and then you got guys like Kucherov. For the guy leading the league in scoring, it's amazing how little publicity he gets. 
Maybe because he's right. playing in Florida, but can you imagine if he was in New York leading the league in scoring, playing like that? Oh, he'd be featured constantly, right? Right. On television, right. on here in the States, and things like mm-hmm. that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, Iserman, do you think that he's – so, if I'm not mistaken, he stepped down as GM of Tampa Bay after last year, last spring. Uh, I believe he's a consultant still. Do you think that there's a good chance that he eventually goes to uh, Detroit? I think it's a slam dunk. You know, when uh, when he's ready to go back to full, when his contract's over there, and uh, I think he's got a year to go, might even be this coming year. I think you're right. And they'll put uh, Kenny Holland. Uh, Kenny can stay there, or if I was Seattle, I'd be hiring Kenny Holland as general manager. He's from out there, right? Yeah, and if they put, you know, Eiserman in a Detroit, which I expect him to do, I would think that, uh, you know, if I was <laughs> president of Seattle, that's who I'd be looking at. So how so? Speaking of the expansion of franchise that's going to go to Seattle, Louis, um, how good do you think they're going to be uh, compared to what what the Golden Knights did, which clearly was take advantage of a system and did a fantastic job? Because I think the expectation is going to be that that team's going to get an expansion franchise and and look at what the Knights did, and they're going to be fantastic. Do you do you think that there's going to be a much smarter approach now by teams, though, going to school on not making the same mistakes that they did in the Vegas expansion situation? Oh, no doubt about that, because everybody that uh, overrated their players and thought, well, uh, I'll give you two players if you leave this one player alone, found out that uh, they'd be better off of lost in j- losing just that one player and so you're going to see a, a still a very competitive team because they're getting the 12th player but you're not going to see the depth and quality and the ability to make deals that you, Vegas was able to make because of the situation and, and uh, general managers overrating their players so uh, you'll get a good team there you won't get nearly as good a team as Vegas had but you'll get a competitive team coming out of that expansion draft Last thing, sir, uh, a conversation of power play philosophies. I got a question for you. I've been watching a ton of games of late, and this is certainly not new, but you see it on a nightly basis, and I'm curious to get your thoughts because I think it's probably got to be within the last five to ten years that this has become popular. The power play philosophy of starting a rush up the ice and and the amount of teams that part of their strategy is they start the rush up the ice and then they dump the puck backwards. And then they rush it again. That's because the the, the entry is easier mm-hmm. than if somebody just is coming up the ice with the puck, and whether he's along the boards or middle, and everybody's set right there. So it, it becomes easier because everybody goes up. They get they get the defense pushed right to the blue line, see where they are, and then they drop the puck, and and then the puck carrier coming up has got his options. He can see his options better. First of all, he's not going to be coming up the boards for the most part if he's got any brains because <laughs> then he's only got options one side and uh, very limited. So when he's coming up the middle, and especially when you got a good puck handler, and uh, a guy like Makita would thrive in this, in this day and age because he'd always get the blue line and be able to make a pass because he could handle it so well. But... It gives a puck in or coming up the ice. Like look, just look at what Granlin did with the the Wild. How many times he came up the ice, just gained uh, control of the zone and made a play because he can handle the puck. So that's it, it, it's uh, you know it's it's done because it's it's uh, it's successful by everybody. It gets them in the zone much better than if they're coming in and they don't. For the most part, you see very few throw-ins compared to what you've had in the past. Absolutely. Is is there a way in your mind to attack that? 
So if if you if you were killing a penalty, is there a philosophy that you would take towards that approach? Well, I'd like to see if somebody just use rather than you know before cross the blue line, have like you have somebody coming late on the pass, and you'd have your forechecker hanging one of forechecker hanging back late to try and challenge him earlier. But he, I like that. Yes, a checker. What you'd want to do is then is force him to the side. Mm-hmm. So. They could do that, but when you when you do that, the guys coming up ice that uh, are looking. If your guy does that, then it's a four and three rather than five and four, which should be to their advantage. The, the problem is the guys are so programmed, giving it back, they might not think enough to keep going ahead with it because we've only got three here now. I think you're probably right.